All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect Friday Show. Mitch Michaels, thank you here for host, I'm here hosting, and thank you here for listening to the sports podcast where we are talking all things Super Bowl, NFL, some college football as well. Got Matt Wittenberg back on the show. Matt, uh, always a pleasure. Final football game of the season, and uh, it's always bittersweet, but I think we can rest assured that the two best teams got here. So hopefully, this is a good game. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, definitely a bummer once, well, we now have uh, college as well, college football as well in the rear view mirror. And obviously, this the uh, last uh, NFL game we're going to have for until the fall. So, yeah, definitely bittersweet. Uh, it's not exactly the, the Super Bowl matchup I was hoping for. And I'm sure a lot of others probably agree with me. Would have liked to see some uh, new blood in there. But no, I, I can't argue with the fact that these are the two best teams. And Hopefully, it leads to ending up in at least being a great game. Don't you think, too, looking at it, like it's it kind of feels like there's been a lack of you know the the typical Super Bowl buzz, hype, storylines, and you know I'm not saying that that's even a bad thing because sometimes it just gets beat to death. But it's probably because the Chiefs have been here a bunch. I know the Niners haven't won recently, but they've been viewed as a spirit very good team. It's like the fact that they're both expected to be here. You know, there's no Lions, there's no Bills going for the drought, Browns, even Ravens trying to get, you know, Lamar's first one. There really isn't any, like, over-the-top storylines because this is what we, what a lot of us expected preseason. Yeah, it's funny. During what, I can't remember where I heard this, but during the, all the coverage this week, one of the outlets said that this is the uh, overdog versus overdog Super Bowl. So I that perfectly spells it out uh, to teams that have been at the top of well the Chiefs have been at the top of the league and 49ers have been pretty much top of the NFC the last few years but haven't been able to get over that final hurdle so now's their uh, prime opportunity and get revenge for Super Bowl 54 a few years ago it's pretty crazy to think about it and that this game happened you know not that long ago also shows you pro sports right there's not as many guys on each team you know it's only been a few years and there's very very few players left on each team the turnover is crazy but mm -hmm. um i guess how both team got here both, both teams got here and we talked about it last week on the show but the chiefs got the job done they're doing it in a different way it's very and i know that the comparison is going to be with the patriots and mahomes and brady and all that stuff but the biggest comparison for me is they just adapted to the roster that they had it's clearly the weakest offensive cast collectively around this Chiefs team, but the defense is buzzing and they're doing, you know, they're doing just enough to win these games. And I would argue with setting the tone, they remind me a lot. I know it's completely different circumstances given where they are in their careers, but when the Broncos won that Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, I felt like mm -hmm. they knew that they were limited, off, limited offensively, but if they got out to a lead, if they were able to just punch the team in the mouth on the other side, they can ride that defense and win. So that would be the blueprint I'm looking at for them is that they know that they can win if they get the lead, if their defense starts buzzing, and they got a quarterback that can make just enough plays regardless of who's out there with him. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. It's also a little bit reminiscent of uh, Tom Brady's early years with the Patriots on those mm -hmm. early Super Bowl runs with how dominant the defense was. And there wasn't there was no Randy Moss or Gronk on those offenses back in in his early run. So it was a lot of ball control, a lot of checkdowns to uh, Kevin Falk and whoever else was in the backfield back then. So yeah, obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes is a lot more athletic and dynamic with the ball compared to uh, Brady throughout his career. But yeah, it's an interesting parallel, and they've been leaning on that defense in the playoffs too with. Uh, getting the final stops in Buffalo that they needed and then just 
absolutely like suffocating the Ravens for basically 80, 90% of the AFC championship game. So a lot of, he's gotten a lot of credit this year, Steve, or this week, especially Steve Stagnolo has. So, I mean, God tip your cap to them. Um, that secondary is really good with Jerry Sneed and Trent McDuffie and Chris Jones keeps getting it done up front, really setting the tone for them. They really do. Um, in this, you know, and, and that was a typical thing too. Also, kind of it reminded me of the Saints a little bit too, in the sense that I know there's a lot of comparisons out there. But you know, every week it's like, how do they keep doing this? They're picked against a lot. I know it sounds crazy to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I will go back. I know it's a contrarian take with, and this is, and it, I swear it's me being bi- not biased and and not <laughs> anti Ravens. But I would, in retroactively, I think I'd be more sick about the if I was a Ravens fan than a Lions fan. I know the Lions blew it in the second half big and all that stuff, but. You know, this is they got another MVP season out of Lamar. They had it at home, and they had that team in the second half. They Mahomes and the Chiefs scored three points on their last, you know, however many drives, and you know they still couldn't get the job done. I think that that was a winnable game for the Ravens, and you know, for the Niners. I mean, they're going to have to run the ball because, and kind of getting over to them, that's where you can have some vulnerabilities against the Chiefs. And I just, I, I that's why this matchup is so fascinating to me with because if the Niners get a lead. You really like them when they're in that position. But it's like if they fall behind early and the Chiefs are buzzing, then it might be a tall task to come back. Yeah, I think the running game on both sides is the biggest key in all of this. And we saw how well the Bills were running on the Chiefs for most of that game in the divisional round. And then the Ravens inexplicably gave their running backs, what, like six carries. And then Lamar had the other two on on keepers and just like, made no sense for how good they were rushing during the year. They just let that game get away from them. Um, and I think that's a big reason why they lost. But, yeah, the 49ers have all the ingredients to, if they get the lead early, to really put the hammer down in this one with how good Christian McCaffrey's been all year. He's really put to rest all of the uh, can't-stay-healthy talk, which, I mean, I, I admit I was in that camp when they ended up trading for him. Like, I mean, this I didn't think it was going to pay off at all just because of his recent – injury history but credit to him for doing what he needs to do to stay on the field and being as dominant as ever and then you add in the wrinkles with uh, Debo in the run game and Mm. Brock like pick Brock Purdy picking up those clutch third downs on scrambles against the Lions the second half of that NFC championship game they they really can gash you on the ground and if the 49ers are going to win this game then I feel like uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be a big part of that yeah, and uh, we, we I had a whole section that or no a little section on player props and just props to make, but you know I think McCaffrey MVP is the best value one out there, and I know the stats will say I think only I there hasn't been a running back since I think Terrell Davis to win the Super Bowl MVP, and I understand that, and I understand it's quarterback driven. First things, and I think you'd agree with this, right? It's so hard for a receiver slash tight end like even Kelsey to win this award. You would essentially need multiple touchdowns and probably that quarterback to throw a pick and not to anybody else. But I think McCaffrey at about plus 450. I think he might have come down recently, but, I mean, he is going to get the ball. They're going to run the ball if they're going to win. If you think the Niners win, I think that is the best value bet that there is. Uh, agree 100%. Uh, Debo would probably be second on that list just because he sort of also has the rushing component. But oh, yeah. I could that's, a fly, that's, the, like a, um, that's a long shot that could hit, and I like long shot bets. But I, Debo for sure is another one that's there. yeah. But yeah, McCaffrey, I can just see, because they're going to get him the ball in the pass game too. So he's going to touch it, I don't know, maybe 20 times in this game. And I could easily see him breaking off some like 70-yard run or something like that. And then 
anytime they're by the goal line, he, you know, they're going to be giving him the ball. So, and uh, another unspoken uh, hero of this 49ers team is how good Kyle Juszczyk is. He's mm. by far and away probably the best fullback left in football, and they use him a lot in the past game too. But, I mean, there's a lot to like about their rushing attack for sure. And then with Trent Williams, probably the best left tackle in the league, paving the way too. So I, I fully agree that McCaffrey's the best bet if you're going to go non-quarterback because it's. I think Julian Edelman was the last wide receiver to win it, and that was in that really crappy offensive Super Bowl with the Rams and the Patriots <laughs> where Brady, I think, threw like 180 yards, but like 90 was to and Edelman. No t- and no touchdowns, touchdowns too. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it's going to take is something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, so McCaffrey, really good value. Just wondering, right? Like, if the Chiefs win, how is Mahomes not MVP? Like, I, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe if Pacheco goes crazy, but that's another running back going nuts. If there's a defensive touchdown, if it is a situation where, if it's a situation where it's like that Bra- that that Rams Patriots game where it's just Kelsey buzzing along, um, and I know football mm-hmm. is way more complicated than this, but you got to figure if the Niners can do the unthinkable, if they can just you know let limit Kelsey and get a good start, because the Niners and I've been going back and forth and I'm still talking this one through. I like the Niners collectively as a roster. I know it hasn't been pretty at times. I think the matchups there, but it is so hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. That's what we've come to kind of have a tough time with. Yeah, yeah, this is sort of reminiscent to the uh, the Brady days when he was in his prime. Like, how can you pick against Brady in the Super Bowl? But Tom Brady's lost what three times in the Super Bowl? I yeah. think so. It can it can be done. And Patrick Mahomes has lost the Super Bowl already in his career. And I sort of get a little bit of the sense from this game going in with how like the Buccaneers in that game. Not very many people were high on them for being able to contain Mahomes, and but. Sure enough, the defense was hitting him all day. Obviously, a different defense between those Bucks and these 49ers. But I think there's some interesting parallels there. And Mahomes hasn't been exactly sharp at the, at the start of any of his Super Bowls, especially in the first half. So there is a window for the 49ers to jump out to a lead. But they need to combat their slow starts, which they had in their first two uh, playoff games. They really do. The defense hasn't played well, you know, the the injuries that they've had. Who's it? Funga's been out, and that really has kind of limited their secondary, uh, what mm-hmm. they've been able to do. You know, also the Chiefs secondary, so underrated how they've played. I know Chris Jones and, and the front, like Karloftis, they've done so well, but the secondary for the Chiefs needs to get, I think, a little more love as well. So that's one where I, I, would, I would go. And before we make our picks for the games, I did want to get to – you know, some props that I've seen and some interesting ones, too. Uh, you know, just some player ones as well. I mentioned the MVP one. Um, yeah, I got to give love to your boy, Brandon Ayuk, a touchdown prop at plus 170. I think there's some value there because it seems like every time he has catches, they're first downs and touchdowns anyway. Yeah, he's like the only silver lining for me in the Super Bowl because obviously as a Cardinals fan, I'm, yeah. I'm not a 49ers fan at all, but... I do love Brandon Ayuk, my uh, my fellow Sun Devil, and um, I really wanted the Lions to win that game in the NFC Championship, but right. it was still cool to see him make that insane catch off the helmet, and he did, he scored a touchdown in that game, too, and he's had such a good yeah. season. I was fortunate to have him on one of my fantasy teams, too, this year, but yeah, I, I think that's a really good one. I brought Purdy looks for him a lot, and then especially with how much attention Debo can draw, like he's really emerged as that go-to option 
Yeah, I think that's a good one at that number. Um, I mean, Kelsey at plus like 105 or even, usually, you know, that's a safe bet for value for a yeah. touchdown there. Debo's like 160, so I think that might be a good one, you know, too. I, I really do like the first touchdown props, and I would say go team-specific, especially a team like the Niners, right, because they have some guys that can score. They have options. So if you limit it to first touchdown, you know, Brock Purdy runs it in. It's plus 900. I'm not suggesting that necessarily, but... You know, there's some value with a player like that. Kittle and Ayuk and are in the plus 190, plus 70 range for their own team's first touchdown. So there could be, you know, there could be something there. And you always have Mahomes on the other side, a QB sneak. Like if a tackle at the one happens and Mahomes just runs it in, that's plus 460. So something to consider. Yeah. The start of the game, too. They're obviously both of these teams are going to have their like scripted, like 15 plays or whatever it is that are going to be their best plays to open the game. So I figure we definitely will see some early scoring. Yeah. I was looking at a couple different ones as well too. And there's, there's very, uh, you know, game specific, you know, one of my favorite ones is the longest touchdown play. I saw it at about 45 and a half yards. I've kind of sprinkled on the over a lot in the last couple of years and it's hit most think- years. It's not a lock every year, but it hit last year. And it, you know, it's usually, it's usually something that hits. Yeah, I, there's a lot of talent all across this game, so I, I definitely could see that hitting over. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly because, you know, and, and, and should point out too, you know, highest scoring Super Bowl of all time was Eagles uh, Patriots at 41 33. <laughs> this one, you know, I don't know that it hits that number, but. You know, we're looking at a uh, we're looking at a game where the over under is only forty seven and a half, and I would lean over in this case just because I do think that's a tad bit low for the game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I could definitely see it be more on the lower scoring end, though, especially if both teams get off to a slower start. Like I didn't anticipate the Chiefs and um, Ravens game being so low scoring in the second half at all, where there's nothing going on. So I can see some of that carry over here. Yeah, there's a couple interesting ones too uh, to consider. And I look the the line itself. I mean, Chiefs two. I, I'm I'm surprised. I'm not. I shouldn't say this. Chiefs plus two. I'm not surprised or the underdog in this game. I am curious as to the public money situation, where I think 68 to 70 percent of public money is on the Chiefs, but it's not. Mm-hmm. But it's not swaying the line. So there's a lot of casual betters and and Chiefs supporters and people that understand how great Mahomes is that are betting on the Chiefs. So whenever stuff like this happens, I'll just say I'm curious because it's a lot of money on the Chiefs, but not enough to sway the line. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, begging you basically to take the Chiefs because of the Mahomes factor and their back-to-back, going for back-to-back championships. So it, it is curious. I, I, I agree with you on that one. It makes me kind of want to lean the other way. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> there's... There's quite a bit. There's quite a bit to think about with that, and uh, you know whether or not you can get your scoring props and your player props and touchdowns. I think there's a lot. The spread to win by is always uh, interesting too, because you know I, I'll put it this way: you could you could sprinkle on Chiefs to win by one to six points, and it's plus three ten. So maybe if you do like the Chiefs, just also sprinkle a little on that one too. I would say yeah. though that. Yeah, I would say yeah. Everybody's still going to sprinkle on the overtime at plus nine fifty. Odds are it doesn't happen, but you never know. Um, Here's one though that I will say that is worth considering too. That I want to just highlight before we make our picks here: the two point conversion props. Just to attempt one is plus one fifty, and a successful one is plus two sixty five. 
I've got to think mm-hmm. that there's at least going to be a two-point conversion in this game. Yeah, with how creative these offenses are, too, and all of the skill guys involved, I, I definitely can see that happening. Yeah. I would. I just I, I think if we get enough offense and we get some scoring and we have to have teams going for two catching up or, you know, playing the margins, I think that would be kind of good. Uh, oh, and before I forget, we've always done this one, too. Uh, the length of the last touchdown over 10 and a half yards. It's kind of a, kind of a fascinating one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I like, I, I don't know. I feel like normally like the near in the fourth quarter, I just always picture like teams being like within the 10 yard line trying to get that last second score, like yeah. being down by four, being down by four or whatever, where they can't settle for the field goal. So right. I'd say that'd be under. Right. Right. I would say that too. I also think a fun one that might have some value is will the last team that scores be the one that wins the game? No is plus 165. And look, how many times have we seen, you know, a team down by 10, they score. All right, here comes the onside kick or, you know, doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, So I think that's one that there could be something as well. Uh, I didn't want to get into all the other offseason props, although I do think Reba McIntyre is going under. It's my lean on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> what is it, 90 seconds or 91 seconds? Yep, and uh, she doesn't have an actual band out there is what I saw. So that's something to kind of look at too. So, And I, yeah, there's, too many, there's too many Taylor Swift props to go over, but I would probably just take the over on any of them if you're going to bet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like times mentioned, time shown, yeah, all of it, yeah, double down. Flight arrival. Um, and Gatorade color, I don't know if you have a lean on that or, or anything else, any other props you look at. I like orange. orange. I think the Chiefs had orange last time when they beat okay. the 49ers. And okay. I can't, I don't know if I've ever seen the 49ers Gatorade, but I, I kind of think it's orange too. All right, man. Well, we're at that point. What's your uh, Super Bowl pick? How are you leaning on this one? I think I sort of tipped my hand uh, when we were talking about it, but this line has me like scratching my head over and over again. I think that like they're begging you to take the Chiefs in this one. The Chiefs are everyone picking the Chiefs. I sort of go back to, like I said earlier, that Super Bowl in Tampa against the Bucks, where very few were picking the Bucks going into that one. Um, I like the 49ers roster more than I like the Chiefs roster. The Chiefs do have the best player and the player that you would want most to have the ball in his hands with a chance to win this game. But I just think that overall, the, uh, the complete package of the 49ers offense, how dangerous they can be, they do need to get off to a quick start, though. I mean, no argument about that, but... I think that Christian McCaffrey is going to win MVP. He's going to have probably 150 scrimmage yards in this one and have a big impact. And I don't think that Brock Purdy is going to turn the ball over is my semi-bold prediction with this one. Um, selfishly, I want Brandon Ayuk to go off and win uh, Super Bowl MVP, but I don't think that's going to happen because then Purdy would just win MVP if he ends up having a good game. But right. I like an IU touchdown. I like McCaffrey to win MVP. And I think the, the Niners win, uh, wow. I'll say 24 to 20. So I guess slightly okay. under. Yeah, I feel terrible because this will be two straight weeks that I'm picking against Mahomes, but I am going to pick the Niners. I do think football being a team game, and I, I keep looking back to the Ravens game as a winnable game for Baltimore. Like everything that mm-hmm. happened, two great drives from the Chiefs early, but they had those chances. They didn't run the ball. The Niners, you know, the Niners not playing their best football. I don't think that really necessarily matters because, you know, you just survive in advance at this level. So I think they're mm-hmm. going through. The defense has to give them something. I think they will. 
you know, if you want a long shot flyer, maybe my guy Nick Bosa getting a little strip sack love, you know, being a dark horse there MVP. But but in all seriousness, I do think that they have to just find a way. It's almost like getting to a number. Like, I feel like if the Niners offense starts rolling, they can find a way to win this game. They can wear down the Chiefs. This is such a good battle in the trenches. I think the tackles for the Chiefs have struggled a little bit. They played played solid football, but I'm going with the Niners here. And I'm also saying that if the Chiefs win this game, forget about the Mahomes, you know, already already in that top five stratosphere all time. But this is the worst offensive cast he's going to have probably for the next 10 years. So you got to beat him now. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And another guy that we, we I don't think we mentioned is uh, Fred Warner. I think he's going to have a big role oh, yeah. in limiting or attempting to limit uh Warner, Travis Kelsey's Warner, and he, Warner and Greenlaw yeah. might be the best duo of, of linebackers in the NFL. Yeah, they're going to need those guys to uh, be able to tackle in space and cover a lot of ground in the middle of the field. And, I mean, I don't know who else you would rather have in that situation. But, yeah, I, I do think that, obviously, the first half against Detroit, like, they couldn't stop anything, but they found a way to make the plays. And I do think that, I mean, when Chase Young is like a rotational guy on your D-line, you, you got some good good pieces there. So I think that they have the potential to uh, play a lot better and then end up limiting this offense. I mean, limiting it as much as you can limit Mahomes. All right. Well, that's our Super Bowl prediction. Again, Chiefs fans, probably congrats for congrats for us picking yeah, against you. Exactly. Another Super Bowl for the Chiefs. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. A couple more things to talk about. Probably a jinx for you too. Like you could pick the Niners, and if you're wrong, it's like, well, they didn't win a Super Bowl. But uh, either, <laughs> yep. either way, a couple other things before we wrap up. One being the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced our class yesterday. Always a hot button issue for myself in particular. On one hand, I do like how selective the NFL Hall of Fame is. Like, I think it's a good thing to have a selective Hall of Fame, that not everybody should get in. It should be that way. I've had my nitpicks with classes in the past. We don't have to get over it. They completely screwed Clay Matthews. That's, that's, under the, that's water on the ridge at this point. But, wait, I think they did a good job this year. I think you can nitpick certain things, number one being Antonio Gates not being first ballot. I think the Hall is a little weird with that sort of thing, but... I think they did a pretty good job. If you look at Freeney, Peppers, obviously, Hester finally getting in, best returner probably of all time, Andre Johnson and Patrick Willis for the uh, you know active or the main class people. I think mm-hmm. this was a good job. I don't know what your reaction to this was, but I think you know I give it a pretty solid grade for who got selected in. Yeah. Well, my initial reaction is like, man, we're getting, getting old because <laughs> I vividly remember watching these guys like, growing up like this this isn't like when we were kids and they're like oh yeah i, I remember hearing I remember that Willis like, in no. college like that's what's crazy yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah yeah it's wild and very deserving um i was a little bummed that my guy eric allen uh former sun devil himself and former eagles great cornerback didn't make it in again so we'll, hopefully he does get get in next year um gates is a little bit of a head scratcher too i mean he's probably a top I would say at least five tight end ever really have changed it. The position to like the modern version it is today. Yeah. You know how it is though. It's like the first ballot thing and I'm not defending it, but they get a little weird with that. It's like another guy I was thinking about too, is uh, like Jason Kelsey, for example. Like I think he's a hall Mm -hmm. of famer, but if I had to get, if I was, you know, being a betting man, I'm not wishing this, but I don't think he'd get in on his first try. I think they'd do something like this too, where it's like second try in. And that's just kind of how they are with a lot of this stuff. Um, I mean, the best player, I mean, do you, okay, let's look at it this way. Do you think the best player in this class, do you agree with me? It's Julius Peppers. Yeah. I mean, what, the yeah, longevity it, it, there is it, just it, insane. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was great on all three of his stops in Carolina, Chicago, and, and Green Bay, even at the end of his career. I mean, just totally dominant. Um, I will say that next year, I don't know. I really hope they do put him in first ballot is uh, Adam Vinatieri is finally eligible. Right. I mean, right. if, if any kicker deserves yeah. to go in first ballot, it's him. So, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. Just wanted to say a little bit on each of these players before we get to the guys that didn't make it. Um, Patrick Willis, I'm a huge fan. I thought he deserved it to be in last year. I know the career was short. It's very much in that Terrell Davis category. If you're going to tell me mm. prime for prime, this guy's better than a lot of people that got in before him. I know the longevity yeah. wasn't there, but defensive rookie of the year, all those first team all pros, what have you. We mentioned Julius Peppers, enough said there. Um, you know, Dwight Freeney was another longevity guy. His ceiling might not have been at the level of a guy like Peppers, very few, few are, but that spin move and what he was able to do for so long. I think was, you know, easily Hall of Fame worthy. Hester's another mm-hmm. good one, too, because it opens the door, and I understand why it took some time, but he was as big a weapon as there was in the football game. And, you know, the Andre Johnson one, you're going to have receivers. You're going to have guys like Torrey Holt that didn't get in. There's a log jam. They're kind of picky at times, but he did not have much help. And for the position that needs, you know, help more than anything, maybe in all sports, the numbers that he put up, three 1,500-yard seasons with the quarterbacks and with the teams that he played for, I mean, this was another guy that did it forever. I think 14 years and just a standard bearer for what he was. Yeah, and he, for a little stretch there, because I remember it was always like Fitz or Larry Fitzgerald and him were like the two best receivers in in football for a stretch there. And my fa- my favorite Andre Johnson memory is his uh, fight with uh, Cortland Finnegan. Oh, yeah. I think that, that was, was a 10-7 ten, ride. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope they make that his statue instead of like just the hit, just him that. just him pushing him down and hitting him with his own helmet. He's holding a Titans helmet because he's hitting yep. a player with it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Moment. Yeah. Also, shout out to the senior committee members, uh, Randy Gradisher, uh, you know, great Broncos player from his day, and then Steve McMichael from the '85 Bears, going through a real tough time with ALS, but they get into the Hall of Fame as well. Uh, the snubs, or I should say the people that didn't get in, you mentioned Arid Allen, also Jared Allen, the defensive end uh, that I think is knocking on the door, um, you know, obviously pushing. Gates, who we talked about, Rodney Harrison, Torrey Holt's another one that's kind of there, as is Reggie Wayne. I mean, I think that some of these dominoes are going to start falling. You know, Holt, and I was talking to Brennan about this, your boy Brennan Smith, my boy too, like upset that Holt's mm-hmm. not getting in. Yeah, that's his player. It's tough with this log jam of receivers and distinguishing it. Like Holt versus Andre Johnson is such a tough comparison. I begrudgingly think they got it right putting Andre in first because, look, I mean, for all things equal, Torrey Holt was getting passes from Kurt Warner, and I'm not trying to take away from you know what Holt accomplished right. and how great he was. But with this log jam of receivers, especially, it's tough to you know on you know the dominoes. I think it's just good that one got in, so it can kind of free some up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's weird when it goes through cycles like this about like a log jam of guys who are all pretty deserving. And then, well, I mean, you look in, two, in 2026, will be Larry Fitzgerald's first year eligible. So I'm assuming he's going to end up taking one of yeah, those spots. And I don't know. Yeah, next year's class, like, I don't want to, you know, look, there's good players there, but this does seem like a year where 2025, it's like, got to get in, <laughs> you know? Because I'm <laughs> you looking- got Drew Brees. 2026 as well yeah it's gonna to be tough i mean i don't i'm on the camp that i don't think Eli's a hall of famer eli manning up next year keekly being up for it he's definitely in play um somebody there Suggs, you know another sun devil 
Uh, Joe Staley mm-hmm. is Joe Staley is another one too. So I, I think, look, I think it's going to be a fascinating class. I'm putting Gates in for sure, but after that, it's going to be a very competitive class to get to determine who gets in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that Gates and hopefully, like I said, Vinatieri are like the two mm-hmm. blocks come next year. Get a receiver. I think Eli. Yeah. I think Eli will probably make it eventually, but I don't think he'll necessarily be a first ballot guy. But although I don't really think he should be in, I just think that they're going to put so much emphasis on those two Super Bowl wins, especially beating the undefeated Patriots, although the defense had a lot, and Michael Strahan a lot to do with that. So yeah. we'll see. It's, it's all uh, pretty political, and you know the Mannings have quite a bit of sway in that world. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, that would be great. The Manning cast next year is just an Eli infomercial for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> just Eli propaganda. Uh, well, hey, wait, before we wrap this up, I had to get your thoughts too. I know college season is in the rear view, thank God. Um, but then yeah. again, but then again, <laughs> one uh, to forget for you. Yeah, one to forget for me. But the NCAA, man, this this stuff is kind of wild. Like, you know, just to kind of catch everybody up to speed who hasn't been following this, you know, they're, they're going after schools for NIL violations, and the schools and states are actually saying enough of this. We're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, lawsuits against the NCAA. We're seeing, you know, the Big Ten and, and SEC kind of joined forces to combat this. It seems like the NCAA days and, and power especially might be dwindling. But the bigger thing with to this reaction is that the big, what I said at the end, the Big Ten and the SEC coming together. I think that's the, the biggest domino that might fall from all this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I mean, far and away the two most powerful and influ- influential conferences finally getting together to be like, yeah, we're, we're good with this. And then the state lawsuits. Um, it's just like, it really feels like the NCAA is like, I don't know if like their days are numbered, but like their meaningful days as far as like college football governance are probably almost over. And I don't know what it looks like on the other side. I don't know if there's like some just independent commission that the conferences put together or, or how it goes from here. But I feel like the NCAA will probably stick around and be like run the other sports the non like revenue sports, like they, they might even still run uh, men's college basketball, but I feel like football will be, it seems like it's been building up to this. The football will be completely independent yeah. and separate and governed by mm-hmm. another independent body where as far as like the NIL stuff, I don't know if they're going to be, there's, I'm sure there will be more litigation with it, but I don't know like how you like come to regulate it. So it just feels like that the NCAA's input is uh kind of falling on deaf ears at this point i know isn't it isn't it crazy how we've gotten to this point though like it wasn't so much that this happened but the fact that it was over nil and it was over the the specific schools and that the you know government basically (laughs) got involved Uh, but i agree it's it's big business that continues to grow and it's like we're, we're gonna get back to regionalized football with like whatever you can call it conferences you can call it pods divisions whatever i was thinking about this yeah. with like the cable with like the streaming you know teams coming together you know espn and yep. fox and everything for sports like we're back to cable we're, we're back yeah, at it exactly. so um, what's old is new yeah what's old is new well fascinating stuff the least uh, matt wittenberg this was fun any any quick hockey thoughts before I, well i got you here you know yotes are playing some inspired hockey i know you're on the bolts down there in tampa and they're you know hanging in brutal injury to sergachev though that was just gruesome oh man yeah rough uh coming out of the all-star break with that one and then uh back-to-back losses in in new york for the bolts but yeah yotes have been on their uh twitter or x i guess they've been teasing a lot of uh stuff about 
supposedly the new uh, site for their permanent arena coming out um, fairly soon. So I'm definitely intrigued to see that and obviously hopeful for a different outcome than the last time around where where it didn't make it off the ballot. So yeah, yeah, very optimistic about them hopefully finding a a permanent spot. And then, I mean, hope I feel like their playoff chances are kind of fading away. The West is very competitive, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly an improvement based right. on where they have been. So right. they're at least competitive in most games. And um, as long as they keep these young pieces intact, then I feel like there's there's a bright future with a with a looming arena too. Yeah, yeah they've lost four straight. But look, I mean, they're um, they're 49 games in, and I know there's teams in front of them. But look, you're five points out of the playoffs. I don't think they're going to get there. But that's a mighty step up than in years past that we could say, look, they're not yeah. too far off of that playoff cut. So it's nice to see. Keller and the boys playing some inspired hockey. Um, and yeah, with the arena stuff, I, I do think it's good. I also think it's good. The stuff that's come out that they want to, they would actually prefer expansion to go more than 32 teams, which sounds crazy, but it'd be good for keeping a team in, in the Phoenix area and not having to relocate. Uh, I've been, in, yeah. yeah, no, I've been intrigued by this whole thing as well. And the fact that, you know, this season does seem like it's going to be an incredible improbable ride with teams. Like, you know, we know the Bruins and the Rangers in the East have done pretty well, but Vancouver's emerged uh, Edmonton was a game short of that win streak. They lose to Vegas in that one, but you got Winnipeg doing well. I, maybe a Canadian team does win the cup this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's probably not going to be the Leafs, but who knows? Yeah, we've seen that movie before. I think, yeah, your best bet is coming out of the West. I mean, Van, like Vancouver was, I think, like less for dead last season. Weren't they like yeah. last, or second to last in the standings? But hey, props to them. They just had to get rid of... Uh, OEL to uh, start competing again. <laughs> they got a good coach in Rick Tockett. They got the best defenseman in the world right now in Quinn Hughes, and they're, they're going for it. They're being aggressive. Uh, and also, I should say, too, you'd appreciate this. Shout out to maybe one of the reasons that they're doing so well. Their goalie, Thatcher Demko, California kid, grew up in San Diego, moved to L.A. to play in L.A. youth hockey because that was a step up from San Diego. And lo and behold, he's got the, the, the nation, the city of Vancouver, on his back. Yeah, hey, and I mean, that is a hockey crazy as hockey crazy a place as there is what about my guy uh former sun devil for uh the kraken uh joey decord that is great Minding that out there had a great uh, winter classic i saw so hey so getting the program on the map yeah he is you know that is another funny story too uh the fact that you know his backstory too born in massachusetts he's got that swiss uh citizenship as well but yeah and he was not somebody that was supposed to be here you know that's that's probably the best part about his story is that he's worked his way up, you know, was unprotected in the expansion draft. Seattle claimed took a flyer on him, and lo and behold, he's been the guy. So very, very good to see. Uh, Matt Winberg, this was a blast. I know we're going to be, you know, following this Super Bowl, following all these storylines together. we got to savor this game, but thanks a ton for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, congrats again, uh, Chief fans, on uh, your back-to-back <laughs> Super Bowl win. Yeah, it's a lock. Don't even have to. Don't even have to check. It's a lock for sure. But uh, Matt Wittenberg, always a blast. This was the Money Mitch Effect. If you like this podcast, you can find it on all your platforms: Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch M21. We're back next week to recap the Super Bowl, gear up for you know the run to the Stanley Cup, the NBA news, all the news in the sports world, as well as some tennis and other things as well, fight news too. So don't want to miss that. For Matt Wittenberg, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.